busy time of the year, so thank you so much to each and every single one of you for coming along this evening. December can be a tough time of the year, I think, with darkness and deadlines looming large and drawing in. So I thought we'd have a bit of fun this evening and cheer ourselves up a bit. Think with me of the last time that you heard of something so good, something so exciting from someone else, that you just had to go and check it out for yourself. Perhaps we pressed our noses against the glass of a window this week when we heard from somebody in the library or in the office that it was snowing outside. Perhaps we then took a video to share with someone else, maybe on our social media feeds. I saw one girl do exactly that. She heard that the snow was falling outside, ran from her desk to the window, ran from the window back to the desk to get her phone, ran from the desk back to the window to take a video for her family back in Australia who had never, ever seen snow before. Imagine that. Or perhaps some of us will have been on YouTube this week to witness an incredible moment in sport or a shocking moment in music where someone has sent us a link or maybe mentioned it to us and said to us, you really, really want to check this out for yourselves. Now, those examples are slightly trivial, and I'm sure that we can think of many more significant ones. So, for example, I have a family member who submitted her CV over 150 times during a six-month period in the midst of lockdown before she finally got her first job offer. Now, let me tell you, that was news that she was desperate to share with us. Good news, exciting news that she was desperate to share with her family. And we, as a family, we were delighted for her, but we just wanted to see the email for ourselves to make sure that it was real and to make sure that it was true. There is something, I think, even sweeter about hearing good news like that, being invited to come and see good news for yourself when things have been desperate for a while. When we've been waiting for it for so long, I think it is just that little bit sweeter, as I say. It's easy, I think, to lose hope when the midwinter looks particularly bleak and has done for quite a long time. And I wonder if in many ways that sums up the mood of our country and maybe our lives as individuals at the end of another tumultuous year where so much has happened, so much has gone on throughout the course of the past 12 months. We know that life is always going to have its ups and its downs, but there are things that we see and we experience that I think after the end of another long year do bite particularly hard. Things that we'd love to see the end of. So how much would we yearn, for example, for someone to tap us on the shoulder and say, hey, you really want to come and hear this press conference that has just begun. They've just announced peace in the Middle East or in Eastern Europe or both. How much would we yearn for someone to pop their head around the door into our rooms and to say, hey, you really want to come and hear about the conversation that I've just had? This family member that we were worried about, it turns out they're actually doing okay. These two people who have been bickering with each other, it turns out they've actually reconciled at long last. Imagine the smile that would spread slowly across your face, across mine, as we begin to understand the significance of the good news that we've heard from someone else. 
And as we spend just the next 12 minutes or so pondering the verses that Becky read out for us there, rewind the clock with me just over 2,000 years and travel with me just over 2,000 miles to a very sleepy, very insignificant part of the Roman Empire, a little town called Bethlehem. And in fact, we're not even in the town itself. We're in the fields surrounding the town an area which would never, ever receive any media attention for any reason whatsoever, on a night like, in many other ways, any other night, where a group of shepherds are keeping watch over their flocks. Now, as a routine part of their job, they'd perhaps expect to bump into a rogue wolf to chase off, to protect the sheep, or perhaps they'd expect to encounter thieves and robbers that they'd need to intimidate to chase off to protect the sheep. So imagine their surprise, as we just had read out for us, when the sky lights up entirely with the visit of an angel. We read in verse 9, if you've got it in front of you there, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. In the same way that any one of us would be if we were visited by a messenger from the spiritual realms, a divine messenger from the God who created all things. And the sheer scale and power of what's happening in front of the shepherd's eyes is enough to make these hardy men quake with trepidation. And these shepherds are given two things that will take in turn over the next 10 minutes. First, an explanation of what's going on, what on earth is happening, And then secondly, an instruction on what to do next. Explanation, instruction. See, as the shepherds tremble, they hear these words from the angel. Read with me in verse 10 there. The angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. See, the angels burst onto the scene in front of the shepherds to announce that there has been a birth. And not just any birth, but a birth that will be recorded for future generations to read, to study, to discuss. A birth that will send ripples throughout history. A birth that is still shared thousands of years later. A birth upon which millions of people throughout history have pinned their hopes and pinned their fears. See, the angels announced the birth of this baby, not as a good teacher, although he will grow to be one. They don't announce the birth of this baby as a moral example, although he will grow to be one. They announced the birth of this baby as a savior, Jesus the Messiah. A dark world needs a strong moral compass. It needs an example of good leadership and direction. But the light that Jesus provides is so much greater than both these things. He is announced as the Lord the king that God had promised would one day give his people everything that he had promised. The king who would save them, 
God himself who will reign powerfully forever with perfect justice, perfect mercy over every single nation and people. See, we know that so much of the evil that we see in our world happens out there and we're passive to its presence. We're victims of its vicious assaults. But if we're being honest with ourselves, there is something of that same substance. There's something of that evil which is generated in my heart and in yours. Even if we just scan the past 24 hours of our lives, we start to unearth some ways in which our decisions, our thoughts, the very posture of our hearts has been about something other than wholeheartedly loving God, wholeheartedly loving people, the very things that we were created to do. We don't even live up to our own standards, never mind the standards that we hear from Jesus as he grows and teaches what it means to live in a way that pleases God. That rebellion against God that lingers in my heart, that lingers in your heart, that lingers in our world, the sin that should separate us from him, that stands as our great enemy. We have no hope of defeating it on our own, no hope of paying off our debts, no means to do so. We need to be saved. We need to be rescued from it. The other great enemy that we face is death itself. We see it on our news feeds every single day, it seems, even this afternoon. Politicians, singers, families, travelers. There is much that we can do perhaps to delay it temporarily, but there is very, very little that we can do to deny it completely. Again, we need to be saved. We need to be rescued from it. Sin and death, these are the greatest enemies that we face in our world. We need Christ to save us and to lead us. We need God who will step into our world to fight our enemies for us, to win the battles that we cannot win on our own. A God who is infinitely stronger than these things that we face. And so unto the shepherds, and unto us 2,000 years later, as we sit here this evening, is born the Savior and Lord. Sin, death, and judgment, all of a sudden, needn't be the final chapter of our story. See, Jesus will grow and he'll go to a Roman cross, die in our place for our sins. He will take the judgment upon himself that we deserve. He will pay the price that we cannot pay. He'll reconcile anyone who believes in him to the God who created all things and created us. He will bring joy to the world. He will bring peace between us and the God who made us. He will wipe the record of our sins clean. He will give us a new life, save us from the judgment that we deserve. He'll rise again three days later, leaving death behind as a disarmed, defeated opponent, offering a way for anyone who believes in him and anyone who follows him, a way beyond death to everlasting life. So good is that news, so important is that news, so important is it that that news is heard that more and more angels seem to kind of pile into the scene here in verse 13. Suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest 
and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. See, the angels, the messengers, they light up the darkness of the night sky with their presence. But it's their message. It's the news that they announce. The arrival of Jesus, which lights up our dark world and lights up our lives. Now, what on earth do you do with an offer like that? How on earth do you even begin to process news which is that significant? Well, helpfully, the angels give the explanation of what's going on, and then, as we draw to a close, the instruction of what to do next. See, the angels say to the shepherds, this news that you've heard, this news is so exciting, you have to go and see for yourself. So verse 12, read with me. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. You, shepherds, the angels say, you will want to go and see this savior with your own eyes. This is not an event on which you will want to miss out. You will instead want to go and look at Jesus with your own eyes, to press your nose against the glass, to experience the significance of this for yourself in all of its fullness. And so the shepherds do two things. Firstly, they don't waste any time hanging around. They immediately go and see Jesus for themselves. So verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds were so enthused by the message of the angels, so excited at the prospect of forgiveness, so excited at the possibility of eternal life, that they drop everything and go and find Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Lord of all. At this stage, just a baby born and lying in a manger. And that sense of urgency is something that the angels and the shepherds would strongly encourage in each and every single one of us here this evening. See, the shepherds are a good example to us of how important, how urgent it is that we understand the significance of the arrival of Jesus. Significant not just for your Christian friends, but significant for each and every single one of us here this evening. Me, as I sit here at Christmas time how significant my response is to his arrival. Now, I'm sure for many of us, that's not something that we've ever considered before. It's not something that we'll consider often. But there is loads and loads of wisdom in making it a priority to witness Jesus with our own eyes this Christmas time, to be amazed by who he is, to be amazed by what he has come to do, to follow his life as he teaches and shows us more and more of what God is like and what he thinks of us. I'd love for all of us to really prioritize an investigation into the good news of the arrival of Jesus, the Savior, this Christmas, just like the shepherds did. This is news that is too good, too important to ignore, too important to dismiss, too important to add to the list of things that we'll do one day in the future. The second thing the shepherds do then is praise God for what he has done. So verse 20, the shepherds return, 
glorifying, praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. See, about 10 years ago, when the birth of Prince George was announced, one royal reporter who was there at the time said these words. She said, there is a tiny little bundle of the most extraordinary history wrapped up in that cot. And those are words that the shepherds could have so easily spoken about Jesus as they left the manger 2,000 years ago, except the significance in the history is on an eternal scale. See, the shepherds saw with their own eyes that Jesus really was here to save. The rescue operation had well and truly begun. Meeting Jesus brought these shepherds to praise and thank God for keeping his promises, for bringing a savior into our world. And ever since then, people from across the world in every single generation across the lands and nations have done exactly what the shepherds have done, which is to look at Jesus and respond by singing, as we'll sing very, very soon, glory to God in the highest. Come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord, and to follow him with our whole hearts. For the shepherds 2,000 years ago, for us as we sit here this evening, that would mean acknowledging the sin, the evil in our hearts, admitting that we cannot save ourselves from the presence of evil or the price of evil in our lives. It means asking God for the very thing which he is only too delighted, only too thrilled to give us, forgiveness, a restored relationship to him which will endure beyond death into everlasting life. It means accepting Jesus as both the savior that he says he is and demonstrates that he is and the Lord that he says he is and demonstrates that he is. Knowing the peace and the favor that he offers us because he is good and because he loves us. It is the greatest gift that anyone could give at Christmas. It's the best news that we could share with you and invite you to come and see for yourself. It's the best thing we have to offer you as a church family. It's so good, it's so exciting an offer. Our desire is that you come and look at it. See who Jesus is and respond as the shepherds do, thanking God for the Savior Jesus. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to invite the musicians to come back onto the stage. And after a brief pause, I'll say a prayer and then I'll hand back over to them as we stand and sing our last carol of the evening. Father, our prayer, very simply, is that you would help us to understand the significance of who Jesus is. Help us to look at who he was, to study his life, what he said, and help us to understand what it would mean for us to trust in him and to know the forgiveness and eternal life that you offer us. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you all very, very much for listening. Uh, I want to say a very Merry Christmas to you all. Let's stand and let's sing our last carol as we close our carol service this evening. <laughs>